This episode contains serious topics, including depression and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Well, hey, welcome back to the For Jesus podcast. My name is Luke Simmons. I'm here today with Lessie DeBartolo. Hi, Lessie. Hi. And Joshua Reese. I'm here. The whole gang's here. It's good to be Woo-hoo. back. It's been a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I know huh. people have been just waiting on pins and needles going, it's Tuesday. My podcast feed is not uploading a new episode. What in the world, you guys? One of that was my fault. I was supposed to record something and I didn't. Well, one of them was your fault, yeah. but there's just been stuff it's, going. It's, it's been, been busy. kind of spring break. We yeah. were out of town all last week for San Diego, in San Diego as a family, and it was just awesome. We did mm. a thing. I don't know if I told you this, Reese, but we um, decided each day to go to a new taco shop. Oh, that's so And then, oh, and then rate them and kind of go, hey, what's the what's the favorite? So the top two were the taco stand, yes. which has a few locations. I think I first heard about that one from you, Alessi. Oh, and then the other one I heard about from Elizabeth Cruz is uh, oh. Tacos El Gordo down in Chula Vista. Mm. And it was like, if you want more of a cross-cultural, like authentic Mexican experience, mm. it was really great. Mm. So, but everybody loved That's it. so fun. Hank's favorite taco was the cheese quesadilla. So <laughs> <laughs> that, and he likes Mike's right. Taco Club. They have the best oh, yeah. quesadilla in the whole world, according to nice. four-year-old Henry Lee Simmons. So that's what we were doing. Aww. What was going on with you, Alessi? My brother got married. Wow. Yes. So it was a three-day event, uh, I feel nice. like, uh, last weekend. or Yeah, I think <clears throat> cool. it was last weekend. So that was, that was what was going on. What was your role in, in the festivities? Oh, man. Um, I was bridesmaid, makeup, running around coordinator. Wow. Um, bachelorette party coordinator so I wore I wore many hats but yeah it was fun and it was crazy like when your family is hosting a wedding you are like a part of the host like even though I'm not a parent it was like I'm an adult so I need to like work the room like say hi to everybody and welcome them have you seen your brother since I did I actually um got lunch with him and uh and Haley his wife Mm -hmm. what a fun thing to say did you catch the bouquet I did catch the bouquet. You caught the bouquet. I did. Oh my <laughs> That's crazy. Like, was that planned? Was um, that like Haley looked at me on purpose? And, and pointed and at me. And no, no, it was coming. And then there was this one girl who wasn't even dating anyone. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm grabbing this one. And so so I you kind of got aggressive. It. You like no, boxed out no, and you know, snatched her. I didn't get aggressive, but it was awesome because Michael, my boyfriend, like put his hands up. I'm just like, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wonder what that means, Reese. I have no idea idea well maybe we'll I find out <laughs> to be continued <laughs> to be continued Reese what about you what have you been up to I did not catch a bouquet ah. um I wasn't at a wedding I I've been laying low been doing a lot of housework um okay. we actually got to go up to a cabin that somebody nice blessed us with for a day and a mm-hmm. half and then kids have been doing sports so great my my oldest had her gymnastics okay. state tournament so we've been doing that great well, we're back, and you've had lots of time to think about something you got to know. That's how we're starting these podcasts. Ooh, yeah, is with something you got to know. Then we're gonna have a great conversation and a music recommendation. But first, Reese, what is something we got to know? Something we got to know. So remember, this section is uh, of our podcast is like we're talking to Christians in our church and saying these are things that we just want to remind us that if you don't know this, you got you got to know this. So um, today, here's what I'm gonna tell you: is that people need Jesus. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they do. Seems I like do. a duh answer, but <laughs> I, I think we all believe that as, as Christians and we get started in that. And, and um, I think it's just easy to forget that like we're the ones that are going to um, be the ones that tell others about Jesus. Hmm. And, and a lot of times, especially in our culture, we can even rely on bringing them into our church to tell them about it. Like we always oh, just bring them here and Luke and Seth will preach uh, hmm. from the pulpit and they'll tell them about Jesus. But 
Um, I just, I think this is a lot of conviction in my own heart of what I want to do. And I see God's word calling us to do is to be people that are well seasoned and Mm. are out in the world Mm. doing normal things that we do daily, but, um, for Christ and, Mm. and actually talking. So I like, I'll pose this question. Like if Christianity became illegal, um, God forbid, um, what evidence would people around you use against you in a court Mm. of law? to show that you were a Christian. Oh, wow. Mm. And that's kind of what I've been asking myself in my life, other than like, they know I'm a pastor, but if I didn't tell them that, like, would my actions show that mm. daily? And so, um, not because I just want to be known as a Christian, but because um, that would mean that I'm praying for people actively. That would sure. mean that I'm telling people about Jesus. That would mean I'm, like, helping them reframe things in light of the gospel. Yeah. And really just having good relationship with people so that I can... Not just so that, but so that I can tell them about Jesus. Because here's the sad part. Hell is real. And um, the only um, salvation we have in this world is Jesus. Mm. And um, so people need Jesus. Mm. And we need to be the ones that give it to him. So, um, it's interesting because I even, um, having you know spent a little bit of time visiting places in the Muslim world, one of the things that you hear about are people having dreams about Jesus. Mm. But it always happens in conjunction with someone who's been talking to them about Jesus. Mm. Yeah, um, that's cool. You know, so even in the places where God uses these kind of extraordinary means of helping people meet Christ, it's always in partnership with the ordinary means of just faithful Christians who say, hey, you know, you look like you need some truth here. You look like you need some grace here. Here's the person who can bring it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I think we just, you know, we can assume too much that people have heard it or don't want to hear it. And yeah, I just think, yeah. So I was in, I'm just going to leave you the verse, Matthew 28. Um, I just love Jesus says to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, this is the best part. I am with you always to the end of the age. Mm, so great. let's go get them. That's awesome. <laughs> something you got to know. Yep. That is something you got to know. Very cool. Well, we're going to turn now to our conversation, and we have a special guest here with us in the studio, Nicole Arendt. Hi, Nicole. Hello, hello. How Welcome. you doing? Good, good. Happy to be here with you all. Excited. Yeah, thanks for coming <laughs> by. So, Nicole, you are one of the newest parts of the Redemption Gateway family. A couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation with Joni Stockton, who's been here almost from the beginning. But you've been here now, what, about six weeks, seven uh, weeks? Yeah, like is it longer two and a half months. Okay, it's longer than that. How many weeks that is? Yeah, that's a lot of weeks. But, um, <laughs> Ten weeks. Yeah. yeah, but that's still pretty recent, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's been fun to get to know you a little bit, and I'm excited yes. to get to know you even more on this podcast. So, yeah. so where did you move from? Um, my husband and I moved from California, northern San Diego. We talked about moving out of state once we got married, and... We absolutely love Arizona, so decided to move out here, and we have a lot of people that we love. So, What's been cool, I remember meeting you maybe last October, mm-hmm. I think. You guys were out for a visit with some friends, yeah. and even since you've moved here, you've had other friends come visit, and mm-hmm. so I'm guessing there's going to be this kind of you know, wake of people following you. Yeah, family reunion, uh, out here. Yeah. moving all out here. There we go. You said you loved Arizona. What is it about Arizona that you guys love? It's just beautiful. Like, California's beautiful has so many different areas to it but just the landscape and like even driving through tempe there's like all the buildings but there's still rocks around Hmm. all the buildings which you don't get that in california and it's just amazing we love the landscape wow so many beautiful places and 
Yeah. I love dry heat and I hate humidity. So this is also wow. great. So welcome um, to your favorite place. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. And uh, Nicole, what do you do during the day? Um, during the day? Well, I currently work at Chick-fil-A, but right. we're remodeling right now. So your particular store, my particular store. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Uh, remodeling. So during the day I will do the home stuff clean and I'll go outside Get some fresh air and then I'll go have a couple meetings, come back and either watch some singing videos on YouTube. Singing videos? <laughs> yeah. American Idol auditions or ah, the okay. voice auditions. All yeah. right. Get me emotional all the time. Yeah, they really, they turn it up. I saw a thing the other day, this girl had written a song for her dad who had sobered up and mm-hmm. it was like, ah. I watched that like four I don't know times. if she was a good singer. You know, you've already seen it. <laughs> I don't know if she was that good of a singer, but it was a really cool story. So I she tried. at least moved on to the next round, you know, that's cool. So you're not at the store every day because it's not open yet, but it's, but it's oh. about to be, man, Chick-fil-A has been killing it during the pandemic. Yeah, I feel like Holy when we smokes. when we chatted yeah. a little bit earlier this week, you had kind of said, yeah, it was great because even when the pandemic happened, you were working at Chick-fil-A with your husband in California and that year said there was really no change, like kind of from that Chick-fil-A just kept going, like yeah. they just made some changes and but you yeah, know, you guys didn't really have like that quarantine period. Mm-hmm. Our sales actually doubled and increased and continue to increase. I believe it. Yeah. That's amazing. We haven't really had was their pleasure. sales numbers. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> speaking of my pleasure, I, I was curious. So do you find yourself saying my pleasure like all the time? Absolutely, all the time, every second. So when your you husband's know, when my, yeah. like, hey, uh, sweetie, can you grab me a glass of water? Because <laughs> since you're pleasure. over there, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. And is he like, do you really mean that? Or are you just trained, are you just trained to say that? You know, sometimes he'll look at me and he'll be like, really, we're not at work. And I'm like, but I like it. It sounds so much nicer. Like, it's, you know, people, of course it's my pleasure. People have been stealing it. I've been to a couple <laughs> other places now that are regularly saying my pleasure. I'm like, you're not Chick-fil-A. <laughs> okay. My delight. <laughs> Think of something else. <laughs> That's incredible. So um, you work for Chick-fil-A. Um, a lot of what we want to do on this podcast is just talk about and hear people's stories, hear how God's worked in the past, hear how God's at work right now. So if we back up kind of before, you know, working at Chick-fil-A, before <laughs> moving out here two and a half months ago, um, tell us how did how did you come to know the Lord? Tell us some of your story. Yes. Um, so I grew up going to church and we would go to church off and on actually. Um, there was a point when I was like in middle school where we stopped going all together. Um, and then in high school I got invited to a youth group and kind of started going there. Um, youth group at the place where you went to church or a different one? Um, a different location. It was still, it was a Calvary chapel. That's where we went. So I just went to one closer to our house and that's kind of how I stayed in with it. But I went to all the like winter camps and everything, but did the whole altar calls and whatnot. But I never really like, I wouldn't say that that's the moment that I got saved. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had moments where you kind of professed faith or went forward or. Yeah. Moments where I was just like, oh, this sounds really good. And I, I kind of like this, but I didn't really understand what it meant yeah. to like. Yeah, I can relate to that. I had yeah. a number of times going forward. Mm-hmm. before I think actually my heart was changed. Yeah. And every year when I would go and I would go forward, I'd be like, should I actually still be going forward? Like, am I supposed mm. to, like, mm. if I'm already saved, like, do I? Yeah. So then I was like, mm, something's not right here. Mm. Um, but I would always been like, you know, I mean, Jesus is awesome. So of course, like you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, I like that. That sounds good. But it was never like a Jesus is Lord over my life or never really understood what that meant. Um, but from like sixth grade, I started, I was like bullied all through elementary mm. school, middle school, all the way up through high school. Like 
from sixth grade to my senior year of high school, I was just in like a deep depression and had like suicidal tendencies when I was growing up through that phase. Um, and then when I graduated, no, hold on. So a lot of stuff, there's a lot there, (laughs) right. And and that uh, there's a lot there to just kind of pause and go, man, that really stinks. Yeah. But you said the bullying goes all the way back to elementary school. Oh yeah. Yeah. All my like, were you, what were you bullied about or was it, or why, do you have any idea why other than just kids are rotten? Yeah. Kids are just rotten. I had like a bunch of friends and me and my best friend liked the same guy. And then I told her, I was like, Hey, I like this guy too. And she was like, Oh, and then after that, the next day, all of my friends turned on me and everyone came up and they're like, yeah, we're on her side. And then that, from that moment on, like Mm. all my friends are just like, yeah, we don't really like you. And would like say all the like rude things to the girls. And so, and it wasn't just like, oh, this lasted for a week or two. And no, it like, was like it permanently changed. It carried on the all way the way throughout. Yeah. You. Even wow. like. Big, was big schools, small schools? It was a small school. I went to a charter school. We okay. only, I had 90 kids in my graduating mm-hmm. class. So everybody knew everyone and everyone knew everything. So. And once people decide, oh, that's mm-hmm. Nicole, we pick on her. She's yeah. a I'm loser. in a certain box. Yeah. It's hard to get out of that. And so I had like a reputation. Mm. And I never even like had a boyfriend or kissed a boy or anything. And so everybody's like, oh yeah, there's Nicole, the like, Mm. all these names. So, and that carried on all throughout like high school and people that I didn't even know would come up to me and like say stuff. So it was like, it was really hard, especially when you're developing and trying to find yourself. So, and so that, it sounds like led you in some pretty dark directions. Yeah. Yeah. So that just like felt super isolated and just fell into like a really deep depression. Um, and then I just like felt like I didn't really have anybody. Um, did people know kind of what was going on? Not really. I mean, everybody was like, they knew cause they were all in on it, but other than like, nobody really understood like the effects that it had. And, mm. um, I wasn't really open with my parents about all the stuff that was happening. Cause I was just like, well, it's better to not have problems. So I guess I just won't have problems. So I just kind of like kept getting masked over and just wow. kind of dealt with it or not dealt with it. Did you know something was off or did it feel so normal to you that it just felt like this is just normal? Um, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess after a while it was like, well, I guess this is just how it's going to be, I guess. So just kind of had to deal with that. So but. you're going periodically to church and the winter camps and the summer camps and stuff like mm-hmm. that and feeling the love of Jesus, but then at school, yeah. Feeling like, you know, just yeah. abandoned and mm-hmm. hurt. What was that disparity like? Or how did that, yeah. I don't know, how did those two realities kind of happening at the same time work together? Yeah. So some of my friends who I, they went to my school and they went to my youth group. Um, so that kind of made it, that kind of helped bridge it a little bit. So when I was around them, there was like, oh, okay, like I know that these people like see me and love me and like care about me. But then there's also like the side of it where it's like, well, do they actually know me? Because all these people are saying these things about me and I don't know if they like know that or agree with that or whatever. So it's kind of just like, I don't know if they actually care or whatever. So it was just kind of hard to have both of them in the same space and be like, well, either you know what's going on and you agree with them or you're oblivious to it and you just, I don't know, like when's it going to shift? When's it going to change? When are they going to turn on me sort of thing? Hmm. Yeah. Did, um, and you said it, it got to the point where you eventually had suicidal ideation and thoughts. Yeah. 
plans? So, yeah. So eighth grade was when that first started to form, um, which I think it's like so crazy to think about because you're only like, I was 13. And so that's crazy. Um, But that's when it first happened. And then I got scared about that. So then I went to our school's um, psychologist and told one of my best friends about it who didn't leave me, but told her about it. And then she went with me to the office and then my parents found out because legally they have to. And so then that kind of changed my whole life because I was hiding so much from them. And then it became very known to everybody. So it was like that kind of made me feel even more. I don't know. You would think it would help out. But for me, it just kind of felt like, oh, now everybody knows. How can I like say that I'm fine? And like, I don't want to be asked all these questions. And mm. let's just go back to nobody knowing again. So, wow, yeah. Hmm. But. So through that, are you kind of thinking you're a Christian? Are you thinking the Lord's near you? Does it feel like the Lord's abandoned you? What's um, the what's your relationship with him like? Yeah, at there? that point, um, when I first had those thoughts or anything, I wasn't, I didn't, like, God wasn't in my sphere at all. Um, but then when I became a freshman, that's when I got invited to the youth group. That's when I kind of was like, okay, there might be something. Mm. Um, I was fine for a period of time. Um, or at least I like was hopeful that things would get better and things felt like they were better because I was like, okay, like God loves me. Um, and then I just got like bombarded with everything and let everything else in and just kind of forgot. So there'd be like periods of time, like after we'd go to camp and I would have the like Jesus high that most people have when they go to their camps. Um, and then after that would like, after the come down of that, then I was just back into forgetting about him and then remembering everything else that was going on. So it would come in waves where it'd be like, oh yeah, like God is there. And then there would be times where like, nah, I don't know. I don't know about this. So yeah. Oh. Were you taking medication? No, I was not. Okay. No. Um, so you're kind of dealing with it. A, people start to know, but a little bit alone. And it sounded like if I heard you right, at that point you kind of start acting yeah. like things are fine. Did that work? Like, um, did, were you able to kind of convince people that you were fine? Yeah. Yeah, I did. A lot of, because they're like, I'd have conversations with my mom and she'd be like asking me like, are you like, what's going on? She'd always do like little checks on me to see if I'm like harming myself at all. Um, and then I was just like, oh yeah, I'm feeling great, feeling fine. And so I knew how to act around family and everybody just to like kind of put on that smile. Mm. And then. Um, but inside you're still yeah, really hurting. I was, Yeah. It got really bad after a while because I would just keep kind of shoving it down and mm. repressing everything. And mm. that, I think, just enhanced the the depression overall. So Wow. Yeah. So you're in the pit. Mm-hmm. And then what happens next? Yes. The pit gets deeper. Mm. Um, so my senior year, um, I stopped going to youth group probably my junior year is when I stopped. So went through my senior year and I just hit a place where I just became super numb to everything that was going on. Um, the depression became like a unbearable space for me and I just, Mm. I just shut off. So any promises that I had made to myself about like, Oh, I don't want to, like, I wanted to be the good child. I wanted to like pass all my, uh, pass all my classes, get good grades, do sports, all that stuff. Kind of like the golden child thing, like learn from my siblings mistakes. But then like, once I hit that senior year, like halfway through, I was like, 
I don't really care about any of the promises that I made to myself. So I'm just going to do all the things that I said that I wouldn't do and see how that makes me feel because right now I'm super numb. Um, so got into drinking and smoking and yeah, that's started partying, started partying. Yep. And then, um, had a, because I just like the numbness wouldn't stop and I was doing all the things that I didn't want to do and promised myself that I wouldn't do. I was like, what am I doing? Like, how did I get here? And then Hmm. just dug myself deeper. And then were you aware that it wasn't helping? Or did it feel for a little bit like maybe it was helping? I think it just like, I don't know. I think I was just in a point, a point where I was like, this is helping me like not feel all the things. So I think Mm. I like this because it's, I mean, numbing the numbness. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When you can always find people to party with. Yeah. So even if you don't feel like super accepted in the Mm. moment, you can Mm. be pretty accepted. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all like temporary little things but um my halfway through my senior year with all that going on I had my final attempt at the time um I'll say at the time because later on there's another one but I told myself that would be the last time that I attempted anything but that was like the biggest one last suicide attempt Yeah. yeah um so yeah I just remember like I tried to like overdose and then my body just rejected everything. And so I was like sick on the floor, like crying. Um, And I just remember like praying, just being like, I don't want to die. Like, don't let me die. Um, And thankfully (laughs) the Lord didn't let me, it wasn't my time. Um, But I just remember saying like, okay, I don't ever want to attempt again, but I also don't want to be alive anymore. Mm. So it was just kind of going through the rest of my time, just feeling like super numb and just like, I would always like, if I was driving, I'd be like, oh, well, if I got into an accident right now, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So it was just always things like that. Um, And that carried on throughout like college and then things just got worse um, up until the turning point of my life. (laughs) Wow. So what, I mean, how much time passes between that attempt and the turning point? Um, Let's see. So that was like halfway through my senior year and then about a couple months into my sophomore year of college. Okay. So you go a couple years of going like, okay, I'm not going to try that again, Mm -hmm. but I, but I hate life and I don't want to live. Are you still partying during that window? Yeah. Okay. Probably like way more than I was (laughs) when I first started. And at that point you're out of high school. So like Mm -hmm. youth group's not happening. Mm -hmm. Is there any connection to you with the Lord or with the church or anything at that point? Not really. My grandma gave me like this little like devotion book to take with me um, for college, which I like read a couple of pages of. And then I was like, okay, like encouraging. That's nice. And then I just kind of put it away and Mm. just kind of live the college scene life. And um, yeah, but some of my, a lot of my roommates actually, they were all Christians. So I had six girls that I lived with Mm. on campus. So um, five of them were Christians. And so they were all like, oh, let's all find like a church to go to out here. And so where did you go to school? Um, I went to Cal State San Marcos. Okay. Yes. Um, and so that's pretty crazy that you had a room full or a house full of six yeah. or five Christian girls. I feel like that's pretty rare. That's like a sweet Jesus thing. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely thankful. I even like messaged one of my friends who, um, kind of continued to encourage me like, 
maybe a year ago and just told her, I was like, Hey, I don't know if you knew the impact that you had on my life, but thank wow. you for that. Wow. Um, but yeah, so, um, didn't so really the, have any connection or we were trying to find a church, but yeah, that's about it. Okay. Yeah. And so there's a turning point. Yes. Tell us about that. The turning point. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I said earlier that my last attempt was going to be my last attempt. Um, but it wasn't. So fell into this, like got into a really bad relationship, just living terribly, like very lost, very broken. Um, and then I got to a point where I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And I was like, I'm just kind of going through the motions of everything and it really sucks. So I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Um, so having a lot of my friends, my party friends, I knew that I could get like connections with other drugs or things. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to take all of the things and accidentally on purpose, like overdose. And so I kind of made a plan and I was going to do it all with my sister and just be like, Hey, like, let's hang out. Let's, you know, whatever, go crazy. Um, little did she know that that was something that I was planning on doing. Um, and so it was the day that I was going to make the phone call um, to get everything to plan my, to, yeah. Um, my friend sent me, or one of my roommates, she sent me a sermon from the church that I went to out there. Um, and it was on the prodigal son. Okay. So yeah. what a perfect wow. message to send me. Mm. Um, but she was just like, hey, like I found, like I went to this church today. Um, I sent you the sermon. Like, let me know what you think. Like maybe we can go next week. Oof. And so I know perfect timing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I was like, okay, I was like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll watch it. So I didn't make the phone calls. I watched the sermon instead Oh wow! and I got wrecked and I, wow. that was, I was like, okay. And that was the moment where I was just like, the Lord chose me and he called me out and I, my life changed right there. And I was like, okay, I surrender it. I'm giving my life to you, Lord. And wow, I'm yours now. And understood what that meant for him to be Lord over my life and just gave it all to him. And so, so you're just sitting there like watching on your phone on a computer. Yeah. On my laptop. Wow. Just in my room. Do you remember what it was that, that especially connected with your heart from that? Um, I'm not, I'm like trying to think back to the sermon itself, but, um, I think just the general story of like turning back and running and then like having God running to you. And it's just like, man, like even after living that like terrible life, like he's the one who's like running out there to hug you, to kiss you, to call you your, his own. And so I was like, dang, that's well, wow. Yeah. So this day that was going to be your death perhaps turned out to be the day that you got new life. Yes. Wow. That's incredible. So what happens from there? That's really cool. Um, I read a song about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So from there, I, I stopped doing everything immediately. I was like, okay, this is, I don't want to live this way anymore. So obviously everything that I'm doing is not life giving. So um, I was, I called my sister up and I was like, Hey, so you know that, 
plan that we were going to have. Yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, And so then she was like, okay, yeah, no worries. Like, no pressure. And I was like, no, I don't want to do any of that anymore. Like, that's not who I am anymore. And she's like, okay. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to church now. (laughs) And she was like, all right, that's fine. Go ahead. And so I started going to that church, started serving, Mm -hmm. um, got baptized at that church in January. um, And yeah, just started giving up all the things that I thought were giving me life and just wow, living for the Lord. And yeah. So, so pretty quickly, I mean, your whole life just transformed. Yeah. It wow. flipped immediately. Mm. Yeah. Huh. And I didn't experience that much joy and I'm still feeling that joy. So, wow. Yeah. So how long ago was that? Um, that would be, Oh gosh, math, maybe like five or six years ago. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's a decisive turning point. And then it sounds like just lots of growth and lots of joy and lots of encouragement. I have to think there also had to be some valleys. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. You know, that, I mean, you live a, a life of <clears throat> depression and discouragement for mm-hmm. that long. It That probably doesn't just totally go away. No. Yeah. So there's like a lot of things either that I'm still like processing through or dealing with now. Um but there were times where I would like go through slumps or like fall back into like, oh, well, maybe I'll just do it my way for a moment. But then beautifully and thankfully reminded that that doesn't give you life. And so, um, but yeah, it's it's been hard to go through like slumps sometimes because I'll like feel it coming on. And I'm like, it's hard for me to like turn myself back on because it feels like I'll go into like an autopilot mode once like mm. things start feeling a little bit too hard and then I'm like oh, I don't really want to deal with it because that's just what yeah. I did back or like when I was growing up going through all of it so that just kind of became the norm for me so mm. I'm learning now how to not switch off and just like bring it to the Lord and lay it down and mm. um that there's so much beauty and like going through that so wow yeah it's interesting because I think even just like we started joking about Chick-fil-A and my pleasure and, you know, the whole idea of Chick-fil-A is that there's all these just buoyant, chipper, happy people. Um, and uh, obviously that's what you kind of do when you're, you know, putting on your game face to go to work. But but to know that like, hey, mm. beneath that, there's actually mm. been a lot of real pain and a, real, yeah. a lot of real hurt. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's what I love about the position that I have because I get to train everybody and so one of the biggest things is that I tell them all like hey like this business is founded on serving people and loving people so like Mm -hmm. let's talk about what people go through and um I don't know I just think it's really awesome that I get to train people and like hey you need to see people for the stories and the lives that they Mm -hmm. have on their back when they walk into the store because you don't know what's going on so yeah. I don't know. I think the Lord's put me in a That's really awesome, awesome position That's to be really able to. Cool. Do you guys still use the Everybody Has a Story video? Yeah. That's a we great do. video. If, I cry every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> worth checking out on YouTube. Um, just type in Chick fil A. Everyone has a story. It's yeah. a, it's really a pretty remarkable thing. I remember years ago, we actually showed it at like a guest services thing here mm-hmm. for church as we were training volunteers to yeah. go, hey, as people come in, just remember everyone's carrying something significant. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so now, What's the Lord been doing in your life recently? I mean, obviously you've moved. Transitions are a big season, usually where God helps you grow. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what's what's going on now? Yeah. Um, so now we're here in Arizona. Yeah. Going to redemption. Um, Who's we? 
Me and my husband. What's his name? Calvin. Okay. Here. Calvin Aaron. Did we say that? We didn't talk about Calvin. Yeah. Oh, so. my no? sweet husband. Okay. <laughs> and you've been married how long? Um, a year and two months. Okay. And few days. So oh, know. wow. She, she doesn't know exactly how long she's lived in Arizona, but she knows how long she's been married. That's good. To sweet Calvin. Yeah. How'd you meet Calvin? Uh, we met at Chick-fil-A. We have a Chick-fil-A relationship. Ah, <laughs> that's awesome. I love yes. it. Very cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, was he a customer or a coworker? He was a coworker. Okay. He, uh, I was his trainer and trained him up. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And from what I've heard from most wives, that will never end. You've, uh, you'll be training him until uh, you part. He was definitely a gift because I, I got into not a good relationship at the time. And then like the Lord was just reminding me of like, Hey, that's not who I have for you. And just kind of put Calvin in my life just at the right time and everything just, Oh, Good. It'd be like a whole long story to go into every detail, but yeah, he's definitely a gift. So, so what's the Sweet. Lord, what's the Lord doing right now for you? What's he teaching you? How's he growing you? Yes. Um, so I, um, have been in relation to like the trials and depression, everything that I was going through. Um, I had always wanted to write a book about, everything and my life and my story because I was like there has to be like something that I can do with all the things that have happened and um just trying to like reach out and you know use my story and like how can I use my story um and so I'd always like had this idea or this like desire to write a book and so um the Lord kind of gave me the perfect topic a couple months ago actually uh, the week we moved out here. Um, so we found out that we were having a baby uh, when we moved out here. And then that week, actually, of us, like, getting settled in, uh, we lost our baby. Oh, and sorry. that was something that I, because I had always, I had wanted to have a baby since I was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that was something that I didn't think was ever going to happen or didn't even know how to deal with it. And so I kind of sat in just I didn't want to bring it to the Lord and I the first thing that I did immediately was like thank him for giving us a baby and the fact that I was able to have a baby and then not really saying like this hurts this sucks like and bringing the tears to him like I just immediately skipped to like what I could learn from that and then I just wasn't allowing myself to grieve really um I cried a lot but I it just didn't feel like it was I was processing it. Um, and so the Lord was like, okay, we need to sit down. You need to process. And I was like, okay. So I was doing like a Bible study one morning and then, um, I just started journaling and then the Lord was just like, this is what I want you to share about. And basically he's talking about like deep rooted joy, um, through suffering. And so that's kind of what my book is going to be about. And I started writing it that week and, the Lord's just been so kind to give me so much about it. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's just been sweet being able to see what he's brought me through and, mm. um, be able to find the joy and like going through those trials and like, let these broken bones rejoice. Like he tears us so he can heal us. And yeah. So I don't know. Just, yeah. So you're in the process of sharing that story. You also yes. have started a podcast <laughs> I did. that people can find called unraveling. Yes. Yes. And tell us what you're doing with that. Yes. Yeah, so the basic or the concept of that is to break down the 
broken to bind up to healing. Um, and so we just kind of talk and interview other people just about like their uh, stories, kind of like this in a way, um, but just kind of seeing how suffering is used uh, to bring people closer to the Lord and just mm. what their experiences with and how they view suffering and um, just that entire like being able to be open and transparent with one another and how that, that in itself can even do so much for you. Yeah. Yeah. So Reese, I know you guys in student ministries, I mean, you have a lot of kids that are probably feeling what Nicole has felt and what the road she's walked through. That feels like a pretty increasingly common story, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately it, it depression's a, a wicked thing that hmm. a lot of times comes on because you feel alone and you feel like nobody cares or knows you. But ironically, it leads you to like run away from people. Like you, you're like, I just pretend because it made it worse when I talked about it. So yeah. it's just this, it's a wicked thing. And then, yeah. and then unfortunately, um, the equation of like, if I feel depressed and I should move to suicide is, mm-hmm. is, is readily there. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it feels like, I mean, I'd love to, I, I love your story to celebrate. Like mm. it wasn't, anything magical it was like little moments of god's faithfulness to to you Mm -hmm. um in that that like brought you you know out of that and gave you hope in that Mm -hmm. um and then yeah it's just i don't know i was really encouraged by that and i i want that i also want to like i wish i could have every student listen to this because it's (laughs) like 13 is the beginning of it's like a beginning of life like that's there's like nothing (laughs) you haven't even done anything at that point Yeah. yeah and just because some middle schoolers are rotten, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. just get past, you know, you yeah. want to just be like, just sure. get past that. But I know it's, it's yeah. bigger than that. And, and you develop who you are in those times. So it's really unfortunate. Well, mm-hmm. I assume that some students will listen to this. And so Nicole, I'd be curious if you were to kind of talk to, talk to a 13 year old, talk to a 16 year old, talk to somebody who's experiencing what you experienced. Um, what would you tell them? Oh man, I wasn't prepared for that question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I would. And, and here's what I know, even as I ask the yeah. question is like, it's not like, oh, here's the magical words yeah. that yeah. just fix it and make it go away. Yeah. Right. So it's not like, I think, and I think a lot of times as people trying to provide help, we think, oh, if I could just say this, it would mm-hmm. fix yeah. it. So I'm not assuming you could do that, <laughs> but if you were going to speak some encouragement, um, yeah. what would you tell them? I think the biggest thing that I would want them to know is just that like, it might feel super small or it might feel super big or you might think it's stupid because I know that's something that I felt is like, this is stupid, nobody's going to care about it. And then it made me feel even more like insignificant and small. And so I think just the biggest thing is like the feelings that you're feeling right now, like those are incredibly valid, but I want you to also know that that's not the ending point. Like there's so much more value that you have and there's life outside of this for you. And like it's not to minimize what they're feeling right now. Cause I feel like sometimes when kids bring problems to adults, they're just like, Oh, well they didn't understand because they're adults. And mm-hmm. that's always so hard. Um, so I just, I would just want to encourage them and just be like, Hey, like we've all gone through something like that and not to minimize it, but to say like, Hey, like we get it. We want to come alongside of you and help you through that. Cause it's really hard and really difficult. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here and thanks yeah. for sharing your story. You. I know there's a lot of heavy stuff there. <laughs> and um, yeah, my encouragement to anybody who's listening, who's feeling like Nicole felt is to say, please do talk to somebody. Mm. Please do um, share what's going on. It might feel like they won't understand or they won't care. Or it'll just, 
you know, make things worse. Um, but you are loved and there are people around you that care a ton about you. And it might be hard to believe that, but, but we just would really want to encourage you to ask for help and to let some people into the pain you're feeling. Mm -hmm. That seems important. Nicole, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. I didn't get to ask my one question I wanted to ask you. Was if somebody wanted to take you out to go get coffee and learn more about you or hear your story, what coffee would they buy? What coffee would they buy me? A dirty chai latte. From? Uh, oh, man. I haven't gone to all the shops around here yet, so oh. I don't really know. Okay. So anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. Surprise right. me. Dirty me chai latte for Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. <laughs> there you Thanks. go. All right. That was an important question I needed. It to was important. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> all right, Nicole. Thanks again. Thank you, guys. Well, to wrap up the show, I'm going to give a music recommendation. Ooh. And uh, this is one from, um, uh, there's a whole series of albums that I love um, from the Together for the Gospel conferences. These are a series of conferences that um, were put on by Nine Marks and a few different, or- I guess the organization was Together for the Gospel. Mm-hmm. But what I love about these is they're like four albums and they're all just somebody playing piano and then like thousands of voices, um, mostly since it's largely pastors that attended mostly male voices. Um, I actually went to this a few years ago and one of the main reasons I wanted to go was to experience the worship moment because I'd been hearing these albums. And so the song that I want to recommend is from the together for the gospel live, uh, two, you know, number two album. It's their second album from Bob Coughlin and Sovereign Grace Music. Um, but this is a song that's on my Easter playlist. I have a, a mm. playlist of Easter songs that I love. And as we're what's it called? preparing in my Spotify? playlist. Yeah, can we follow it? It's called it? My Easter. Uh, <laughs> By, what's your it's handle? It's private. I'm oh, sorry. Sorry, never mind. Sorry, it's everybody. Just, no, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but you could add your own list and you could put this on it. And so this is one of those songs. Um, and there's nothing necessarily special about this song over any other song, but I just love the simplicity of it. And I love um, the, the, the sound and the simplicity of everybody mm-hmm. singing together. So here we go. We will glorify. Which is an old song. It is old. We will glorify the King of Kings. So yeah, wow. it's a it's an old song, kind of an old praise chorus. Reese, mm. you said that uh, you recognize that one. Yeah, from that's it. from my childhood. That's a great song. It's beautiful, and I just think it is great lyrics. I I love what they do with that. Like you're right with the like the just a piano and start singing. So it's like yep, a lot of hymns. If you like hymns, it's a good it's a good couple of albums. So yeah. again, that's we will glorify from Sovereign Grace Music and Bob Coughlin together for the gospel live. So yeah. here's our recommendation. Awesome. Enjoy it. Yeah, well, Alessi, uh, any final words for today? No, I'm just taking in all of the episodes' juice. Yeah. <laughs> it was a it lot. Was, it was good. Yeah, this was a good one. Yeah. So uh, we should do this more often. <laughs> yes. We won't let, <laughs> we two, weeks, more often. We yeah. won't let two weeks go by again. Great. Well, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend about For Jesus, and uh, have a great week. Yeah. See, See you ya. later.